I have the pleasure of introducing our guest speaker from Toronto today. Uh, I know Pastor Burke Thompson, I first met him in high school. So it's been, what, three or four years now? Uh, um, it's been a little bit longer than that, yeah. So uh, we've known each other for an embarrassingly long time. I remember uh, we both worked in the pulp mill in Port Alberni, and uh, we got laid off one summer, and so we decided to make a whole bunch of money by restoring a car, a 67 Camaro. And uh, uh, long story short, we sold that Camaro and we each bought the engagement rings for our future wives. So that was a, a great investment uh, way back then. Uh, yeah, she still has it there. That's what a 67 Camaro looks like on a hand. Uh, um, but... Uh, uh, Pastor Bird has been not only a longtime friend, he is really the reason why we're here today as a community. He was our doorway in to every nation, and it was through him and his family that really uh, let us be part of this wider church movement, and he invested so much time and energy, especially at the beginning of our church uh, plant. And so we're grateful, not only for his friendship, but really what he's deposited in this church community. So could we please welcome him as he comes forward? Well, it's great to be back in Vancouver. It's uh, been a while, actually. Um, long while, but it's, it's so good uh, to be here. Um, just a little bit about myself, uh, besides that I'm Greg's friend. Uh, I have four kids. I have, uh, the youngest is in high school, so I know I don't look that old for that, but that is the truth. I uh, got married that ring. We got married at 15, though. Um, so my oldest son, Daniel's in New York, and he's uh, graduated from law school last year, and he's taking uh, a master's degree in law and hoping to get uh, a job in Manhattan uh, lawyering. And then uh, my daughter, Catherine, who's in uh, Nashville, she's an inner city school teacher. And then uh, our two youngest are with us uh, in Toronto, helping us with our church there. Um, my third child, Joel, he's our worship leader. And then my son, who's in uh, last year of high school, Luke, he, he plays on the worship team. And he'll be the last one going into college. The other three have already finished university. So a little bit about my uh, family. Uh, and then a little bit of the connection of our church family. Every Nation Toronto, I thought it would be great just to have a snapshot of some of the faces. This is our uh, coffee bar time after church. If we can have that photo up there and you'll just see that's just everybody from quickly saying hi. So Toronto's just quickly saying hi to you. Very diverse city and uh, very diverse group of people. We meet uh, on the University of Toronto campus and it's just, uh, can't, well, it's Canada's largest uh, university. There's 66,000 on the downtown campus and that has two satellites. Um, Greg had said when he preached for us a couple weeks ago, he said it sort of feels like Vancouver and Toronto are a little bit in competition somehow or something, but I don't think there's much of a competition because <laughs> your city has the highest home prices already, so I think there's no way we're ever going to catch you. Uh, although you could fit two, the population of two or maybe three Vancouver's inside of Toronto. Uh, in fact, you'd probably fit all of BC and most of uh, Alberta into the greater Toronto area, so we win in the big size. Um, 
But uh, really, uh, growing up in Vancouver Island is great to be home. I, our little town of Port Alberni is just really the place where all great leaders hail from. Um, the first female Prime Minister of Canada is from our town, even though that she didn't last very long. So, uh, yeah, it's just good to be uh, in this environment and really uh, great to be able to connect here again and share. And I believe I have something uh, for you that will encourage you. So let's just um, go to the Lord in a quick prayer to just ask his blessing upon his word. Father, thanks for this time together as we look to your word and ask for the Holy Spirit's uh, revelation and impartation to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I know that you're in a series, but uh, Greg encouraged me just to do kind of a life-type message, and so I love to speak on the subject of faith, and so I just simply called this Forward in Faith. And when I talk about faith, when we think about faith, um, you know, sometimes we think of the saving faith. Uh, um, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. And so there's this faith that God gives so that we can see him, that we can know him. Without this faith, the, the eyes, the scales don't come off. Uh, there's not just good um, explanations that are required. It requires God giving us this saving faith so that our hearts are opened up to him. I'm not going to talk about that type of faith, though. And then there's the also, uh, if you know your Bible a little bit more deeper, you'll know that in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, it talks about a gift of faith. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, But to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another effecting of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, various kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, but the one and same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So the scripture also talks about a supernatural manifestation of the gift of faith. And this is just like any other supernatural gift of the Spirit. Um, but I'm not even going to be talking about that. This is just sort of introduction to sort of say the different dimensions of faith so that we get on the right uh, faith that I'm talking about tonight because there is uh, lots to this subject in Scripture. Um, really what I'm talking about is the measure of faith that's given to all believers. Twelve uh, Romans 12, verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Then he goes on and talks about, Paul, about the parts of the body and how we, this measure is given in different ways to do different functions. And so this is what I'm talking about today that I want to encourage you in, and that is the measure of faith that each of, his, each of us uh, have been given. So this subject of faith, I think a lot of us understand that God has given us faith to be saved. I think he under, we understand somehow that some people just seem to exhibit great faith in this amazing way and we, we discern the gift of faith. But I don't think this substance of faith that God gives every one of our believers is sometimes not really developed and exercised like it should be. I think it's like physical exercise. It's something that God gives you, but it has to be worked upon. It has to be utilized. It has to be picked up. It has to be developed uh, in our lives. 
and used. So I want to talk to you briefly three things that how we can use this measure of faith. First of all, faith to overcome, faith to persevere, and faith to enter in. And I'm going to explain what these are. First of all, faith to overcome. What I'm talking about now is developing the identity that we have in, in Christ. Really our own spiritual walk of growth. Where we're progressively, what the Bible calls about being sanctified, becoming more like Jesus. Because there's a problem. We are called new creations in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That is true. When we open our life up to Christ, he comes in and we are born again. We are made a new creation in him. But at the same time, we see almost contradictory scriptures. Like Paul in Romans 7.15 to 18, he says, there, he says, I don't understand my own actions. For I don't do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no, no longer I who did it, but sin that's dwelling within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. And Paul goes on in this section to talk about this dichotomy, this struggle, this idea of like, I know I'm a new creation in Christ. And how come it's like the things that I want to do, I don't do. Uh, in Nashville, when we lived there for 14 years, uh, we had the privilege of building a beautiful house on a golf course with 68 homes, and I could toss the ball like this to the first tee. And while I was up in that first tee, about to, about to golf, I knew that I wanted the golf ball to go straight down the fairway. But the thing that I wanted to do and tried so hard to do, I did not do many times. And I can remember one time, this massive hook shot and smashing the window of my neighbor's house. <laughs> it was so embarrassing to have to do that. And so we have this, this struggle between the new creation that God has called us, this identity that he has called us to, but at the same time, uh, we have to overcome and we have to enter into the struggle. It doesn't just happen overnight. Day by day, uh, there is a walk. I, I just think in my own life, I think, God, you know, will this struggle ever end where I have to keep pressing forward? I've kind of come to the conclusion now, no. <laughs> that there's just never a time, even in my own spiritual walk, where I can just kind of put it on cruise control and somehow just breeze through the Christian life. No, I have to use my faith to overcome. I have to use my faith every day to overcome the discouragement that comes to my soul. I have to use it to overcome the lies that say, when I'm flustered, I forget that God is actually more worried about me and how I am. Yeah. As the word that was given uh, in worship, which was so excellent. We have to exercise our faith to overcome. It just never ends. Secondly, we have to exercise our faith to persevere. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the, Lord, that the Lord, your labor is, your work in the Lord, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This word, steadfast, it's a Greek word, upomano. It means to hang in there. It means to hold on. Uh, persevering faith isn't triumphal faith. It's not like, hey, it's, I made it every day. It's more what I used to do, uh, marathon running. I haven't done much of it lately. But one of the things I know on a marathon is, unless you're you know, one of these Kenyans who are incredible, uh, but if you're anyone else, 
in that crowd of 40,000 people, you're just trying to get through the finish line. And at the end, it's, I made it. I hung in there. I made it to the end. That's persevering faith. It's not, hey, I just, I'm always victories every day. It's, it's I'm, I'm striving forward. I'm hanging in there. Um, this week is actually a monumental week for us because seven years ago, uh, the Canadian Every Nation pastors met in Banff. And it was a retreat to just hang out and to pray about what God was doing in Canada and stuff like that. So I came up and visited. I was actually roommates with this man on the front row at the Banff, Banff Springs Hotel. And we had a very comfortable life in Nashville. Uh, our, we built this custom house, six bedrooms, seven bathrooms. I mean, we play, we, I built the basement so we could play street hockey in the basement. It's a very large house. God had really blessed us. And we really were loving it. There was nothing in Nashville that we really didn't like. And I can remember one of the pastors said, I think it would be a great idea if you came back to Canada and joined our church plant in Toronto. It had been started, but it was struggling. And I'm like, whoa, I don't think so. <laughs> and so I remember it was back in the room. I looked at Greg and I said, you know, this other guy said, he thought it'd be really great if I came back to Canada and da, da, da. I said, isn't that a crazy idea? And Greg said, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> and so I mentioned it to one of the other pastors and then Brent Redding actually from Calgary, who's our regional director. And he said, I think you need to go back and you need to pray about this and really seriously take it to the Lord. So I went back and I told Sheila what these guys were saying and her response, exact quote, they're out of their minds. <laughs> but interestingly, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let us let go. You know, and that's the great thing about the Holy Spirit is that when, you know, you don't have to have to really worry about the Holy Spirit. Well, that's the Lord. If it's the Holy Spirit, he's going to come after you. Yeah. It's going to, it's the Bible, Jesus said, he will remind you. <laughs> Sometimes he reminds you over and over and over and over and over. And then he might have to just make your life a little miserable until reminding you and reminding you and reminding you. But even with that, you know, it was circumstances changed in Nashville for us, and we knew that God was shaking the nest and creating uh, an agitation there. And we knew that that was the push that we needed to say yes to God. But we thought the big hard part about that, because we knew that would mean splitting our family, which was, you know, very difficult for us. We had moved from Calgary, or from Vancouver to Calgary to Nashville. You know, we, as long as we were a family, we were okay with it. But then we knew that with our older children, had graduated, had jobs, it wasn't a sure thing that they were going to move with us. And sure enough, they didn't feel like they were called to church planting at this time and to be with us. And so that was an, another just counting the cost of that move. So we thought, after packing up our house, moving from this big house, finally finding a, a condo to live in on the lakeshore of Toronto, I calculated the square footage. It was 17.6% the size by square footage. <laughs> and we thought that 
the move and all the effort and, and going from a comfortable salary to back doing the MPD, um, raising partnership team and all of that, we thought that would be the, you know, the hard part. And when we got to Toronto, because we had been such superstar Christians sacrificing it all, that it would just be easy. Little did we know that the move was the easy part. And then we entered into really a time of intense struggle uh, where it was really the five, six, seven hardest years of our lives. The loneliest, the most difficult, the most stressful. And what it, I needed in that point was persevering faith. Persevering faith. Faith that kept knocking, kept believing, kept moving forward against all the odds. And there are some times in life that this is the type of faith that God asks us to exercise. It's persevering faith. Sheila, I was telling her about my sermon, my wife, and she said, the last seven years I haven't had the luxury of not having to use my faith. Because twice a month, we have to exercise our faith for our pay. We have to exercise our faith for just, you know, not being overwhelmed. And it's a real battle. And one of the things that I hope to really even teach and impart to the next generation is that things don't always come quickly. And... Sometimes God calls us to persevere. This is not good news for millennials, okay? And we have, I have four of them. So, you know, the idea that, you know, the world isn't going to get changed by next Friday is like, what? Um, and let me just park on that a second. You know, God's word, you have to persevere with it. Uh, you know, we live in that Instagram you know, society where, you know, things are coming through our news feed so fast that sometimes when the word of the Lord comes, we just snap it through onto the next frame. But that's not, that's not, we're not going to persevere if we do that. When the word of the Lord comes, it's one of my main things that I, I try to impart to the next generation. And that is when, the, when God speaks to your heart, and when that word is confirmed, then you need to learn how to shut off all the other voices and all the other distractions. And you need to learn to hang on to that word, look at that word, meditate on that word, make plans around that word, and persevere in that word. Because the word of the Lord isn't like every other voice. It's to be heeded, it's to be reflected on and acted upon. Faith to persevere. Finally, third one, faith to enter in. Now, that's uh, kind of theological Christian terminology. When we talk about entering in, it's an allusion to the children of Israel who, under bondage under Egypt, left Egypt through the leadership of Moses. They wandered in the wilderness between uh, Egypt and the Promised Land. And then, many of them died off most of them, except for these two dudes named Caleb and Joshua. 
and they took the next generation into the promised land. So when I talk about faith to enter in, I'm talking about fulfilling the call of God on our lives individually and corporately. So we've got faith to overcome. That's the daily grind of Christianity. Then there's a the faith to persevere. And then there is the faith to enter into what God has for us. Philippians 3 verse 12, Apostle Paul writing, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. I was a student studying at the University of British Columbia, not doing really anything for God, not really knowing what to do with my life. But one thing I did know is that I wouldn't be really open to being a pastor, that was for sure. <laughs> like if you look at my list of job descriptions, it was like, it was like below last. Um, but God got a hold of my life. And I realized that he got a hold of my life for a purpose. And God gets a hold of every person's life for a purpose. Paul said that I'm pressing forward to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He didn't just somehow want to have this kind of special relationship with Paul so they could just hang out. There's more to Christianity and more to salvation than watching YouTube videos in a good mood or whatever we do to pass the time away. God gets hold of our lives because he has a purpose that he wants to work through our lives. And this last type of faith that I'm going to talk about, and there's many other dimensions of faith. Don't think that there's just three. But this faith to enter in is all about considering both individually and corporately why God got a hold of your life. And then pursuing it for the rest of your life. So how do we do that? I think there's three things. First of all, we need to see the big picture. There's something called the story of God, the mission of God, the overarching story of the advancement of the gospel around the world. Jesus calls us his, to his great mission. The first thing we need to do is submit to his great mission, and that is to expand the kingdom of God across the globe. That is the responsibility, the duty, and the call of every Christian, to somehow be a part of that to somehow be a part of the expanse of the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, and the cultural mandate across the face of the earth. So we have to see that big picture. We have to also see the, the vision of the local community that we're a part of. We're a part of the every nation tribe, and we're called to go to the nations. We're called to establish church, Christ-centered, spirit-filled, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. That's what our tribe, that's our little piece of the wall of, if, if we use the analogy of Nehemiah rebuilding the walls, that's, that's the family business. That's our part 
That's why we're meeting here on a university campus, on a college campus, or near one, or in the vicinity of, because of this call. So we see the big picture call. And then we have to understand our role in it. Because even though there's one big vision, each of us have to supply something to it, and it's going to be unique. Each person has to do their thing. If you don't do your thing, we won't get this done. Yeah. Every, every person is needed to express their gift, to start somewhere and serve and be a part. And then the third thing, after we understand our part and our role, or as we're learning it, we have to take action. We have to step out in it. We have to move on it. After a number of years uh, working here in Vancouver, after I trained uh, as an optician and I worked for Pearl Vision here in Vancouver. And I did that for six years. And then one day I felt like God, I, I saw this vision about going to other campuses and going to other cities. I was 27 years old, and I just felt like God speak to my heart and said, it's time to leave Vancouver, quit your job, move to Calgary to plant you church. And yes, sir. I mean, I just, I wanted to do this. And so I saw the big picture. I knew that God wanted to go all over the world, and I knew that there was this vision that I was a part of with this tribe that was to expand. And so I thought, well, I, I like Calgary. It's a cool city. I've only visited a few times. And so I quit my job, we packed up. I mean, here was my church planting team, my wife and a two-year-old and a six-month-old. There was no such thing as MPD, we just called it living by faith. <laughs> so actually our home church gave us 200 a month support. And I had one Singaporean international student who was in my small group in Vancouver who had transferred to Calgary. So I had one contact and one phone number of a backslidden brother. And with that, we moved to Calgary, cashed in everything, traveled there, rented a house, took almost all our savings just to put the first and last month's uh, rent down on a home near the university. And we literally just walked out onto campus. And I'm not an evangelist, but I'm willing to do the work of an evangelist. And one by one, we would just grab the students and bring them into our home. And within a year, we had filled up our home to the point that we had to rent a space at the University of Calgary. And I can remember praying in the largest theater, one of the largest theaters in the campus, when we were just a handful of people, praying and fasting and going into a room like this. And I grabbed a friend of mine named Wayne. And we would just, we'd go early in the morning, like at six o'clock, as soon as the university opened their doors, and we would pray in the early mornings in this biggest theater, and we say, God, I know that we're just a little group here, uh, but, but Lord, one day, we believe that you're big enough to fill this theater. You know, what's amazing is that when we left Calgary to move to Nashville, we were in a bigger theater, but we weren't in that one. But you know, today, you church meets in that very theater that Wayne and I used to pray early in the morning over. We used to go up and down the seats and just pray up and down these seats. And so there's an acting on the word. When I survey the spiritual climate, I think Christians right now in Canada are pretty good at celebrating their salvation. I think I'd give them an A, we're in a classroom right now, so I'm gonna grade us as the body of Christ in Canada. Um, when I think of their identity and growing, as a discipleship, I think, as a disciple, I think they're actually doing pretty good too. Maybe an A minus, B plus, something like that. 
For perseverance, I'd give a B. But when I see take action, I have to give a failing grade. Between 2001 and 2016, $500 million worth of Christian books were sold in North America. It's like we are a knowledge overflow and action under. I don't even, that's not a word. It doesn't make any sense, but I just, you get my point. We think that somehow if we read another book about doing it, that it's doing it. Let me tell you something, it's not doing it. When this centurion came to Jesus, a Roman centurion, he hadn't read any Christian books or Jewish books or anything. He saw how Jesus operated. That's all he had. All he saw is how Jesus operated. He didn't have Torah knowledge. He, wasn't, he didn't have cases of books. And I buy a lot of books, okay? So it, I believe leaders are readers. I'm not speaking against. I'm, I'm just making a point here, okay? But he saw how Jesus worked. And he needed Jesus to act for him. And he said, Jesus, you know, my servant is suffering, but I just believe you can heal him. And he just took action on what he knew. And he said, Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, no, 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 you don't even have to come over to my house. I see how you operate, Jesus. Just say the word and he'll be healed. And Jesus himself said, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. I just believe it's time to take action. Ask questions later. You know, I think sometimes if you percolate too much on, on certain words, you talk yourself out of it. Final scripture, Daniel eleven thirty two. And I love this in the New American Standard Bible, the second part of this verse. It says, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Will display strength and take action. And I just believe it's a season to take action. To step out on what we already know to be true. To make those moves, whatever it is. I think there's a lot of us who already know. You know, we started a week of prayer and fasting, and it's, it can sometimes, you know, get words from God and be just like kind of the spiritual version of going to the gym. You know, everybody goes, you know, for the first month. It's like we're into that word for the first month, and then it sort of goes away until next year, and then we do that all over again. It's time to hang on to those words and take action on them. If you wrote in anything for 2018 that you feel like the Lord put on your heart, I'm going to exhort you even right now to take action on that, whatever it may be. I want to conclude with um, a, a tribute video to Billy Graham. But interesting, and I want, I want you to hear this, because in this tribute, it's actually from 1978. He was on 100 Huntley Street. For those of you who know uh, that Christian uh, Canadian television statement, uh, he asked him about Canada and what Billy Graham saw for Canada uh, back in 19, 
78. So it's a tribute to Billy Graham, but it also just is a real prophetic word to I Believe Canada that I believe still rings true today. And after we uh, watch that video, I want to come back with one last question. You said something that just thrilled me to my toes. Well, you know, Canada uh, stands uh, for peace in the world. And uh, Canada has not taken uh, sides in many of the world disputes, uh, such as Vietnam and so forth, uh, in, in the past. And you have a spiritual heritage here, both in Quebec and in Ontario and in Western Canada. And uh, you have the spiritual groundwork is already here. And there's an afterglow that I think you feel. Now, people are not attending church today in Canada as they once were. Uh, Toronto was once called when I first came here, Toronto the Good, because so many people went to church. So many people believed in God, so many people believed in Christ. But I believe that Canada stands in a very unique position. If Canada should have a spiritual awakening and a spiritual revival, I think it could uh, lead the world. I think the whole world would look to Canada, and I think Canada could become the world leader in the spiritual dimension. What do you think of that? So that was given in 1978. That's 40 years. I don't know about you, but I'm taking up that challenge. I may be in my 50s, but I'm, I'm a Joshua, I'm a Caleb. I still have strength. If they can go into the promised land at 80, I can go in at 55. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is giving a challenge Canadians right now to act on this. This, has been, this is a word I believe that has been sitting dormant for the most part. I'm not saying there hasn't been some attempts. I'm, I believe there has. But one of the things about Canada is we've never seen like the USA has had a national revival, first awakening, second great awakening. Canada has never had a national revival ever in its history. And I believe now is the time. I believe now is the time from the Pacific to the Atlantic to the Arctic. When Jesus and his disciples, he took his disciples in a boat one time and he said, let's go to the other side. And the winds and the waves began to blow and Jesus was sleeping. And they woke him up and they said, Lord, don't you care? And do you know what his response was? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? And I believe that God is asking me that question, and I believe that God is asking you that question, even here tonight. 
where is your faith? And I sense faith in, in this room, actually. And I sense that there are many of you that have been stirred even tonight to say, God, I need to respond. For some of you, you need to cross the line of faith. You have to say, look, I've been playing around with Jesus. Uh, you know, I've been sort of dating him a little bit or whatever. But now is the time to put the full weight of your trust in Christ alone for your salvation and to receive him into your life as Savior, as Lord. And then to walk with him and ask him to give you your marching orders, to give you the purpose for which you are here on this planet. You know, and for some of us, I think it's just time to wake up and just to wake up, say, Lord, I need to renew. I need to, I need to respond. I've just become just lukewarm in my, in my faith. And it's time to wake up and revitalize and say, look, it's time uh, to stir it up. And there is no condemnation. This is good news. Repentance is the greatest word in the Bible. It means a fresh slate, a turnaround. It's awesome. And then some of you, I think you just need to, you're already hearing this word and you just needed, you just needed a little bit of fuel. You just need a little bit more encouraged. You, you might have been saying, Lord, am I crazy? I'm stepping out on the water right now and am I crazy? Well, yeah, you are. So just be crazy with me and the rest of us as we move forward in faith together. Amen. 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 God bless you. It's been great to be with you.